بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد صلی اللہ رسول کریم الحمد للہ جنائی از دا ٹویلتھ آف مے ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا نائنٹینتھ Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu And the last few nights I've been mentioning the various blessed reports with regards to the famous incident with the jinn. And the last thing I mentioned were the four blessed verses at the end of Surah Mu'minun, verse 115 to 118. in which our beloved messenger وسلم, said that if a person has firm iman and he recites these verses even over a mountain, then the mountain will move from its place. And of course, I mentioned in the same report that Ibn Mas'ud recited this in the ear of the one who was being troubled by the jinn and he was instantly cured. So with regards to these verses, another report So Hafiz ibn Qayyim, rahmatullahi, in his Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 4, page 67 to 9, and Sheikh al-Arna'ud authenticates the report, Hafiz ibn Qayyim, rahmatullahi, he said, often our Sheikh, and he's referring to Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah, rahmatullahi, often our Sheikh would recite in the ear of the insane, i.e. these verses. So Hafiz ibn Qayyim, He said that I would often see this, that Ibn Taymiyyah would recite these last four verses of Surah Mu'minun in the ear of the insane. He informed me that on one occasion, he read this verse in the madman's ear and the possessing spirit, which was a female, said in a drawn-out voice, yes. So what's he referring to? The first of the verse 115, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he asked the question, أَفَحَسِبْتُمْ أَنَّمَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ عَبَثُوا وَأَنَّكُمْ إِلَيْنَ لَا تُرْجَعُونَ Did you think that we had created you in jest and that you would not be brought back to us? So when Ibn Taymiyyah recited that first verse in the ear of this man who was possessed, the female jinn, out of mockery, she said, yes. <laughs> She's mocking the Qur'an. Those Ibn Taymiyyah, he took a stick and he beat the man on the veins of his neck until his arm became fatigued from striking and those present were sure that the man was dead from the beating. So when he was reciting the, the holy verse and the female jinni mocked it, he got a stick and he started whacking the man on the side. So obviously, it could, it could be fair to him. And he struck so much, his arm got tight. And the people thought, he's dead. During the beating, it cried out, I love him. The Shaykh, replied, he does not love you. The jinni said, I want to make hajj with him. The Shaykh replied, he does not want to make hajj with you. The jinni said, I will leave him in your honor. He replied, no, do so in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. 
صلى الله عليه وسلم it said I will just leave him suddenly the madman sat up he looked to his left and his right and he said why did I come to the honorable sheikh those present said in amazement what about all the beating you received he asked for what would the sheikh beat me when I have not committed any sin he was those unaware that he had been beaten so the same verses so what game was the jinn playing he was mocking the Quran now what's strange she was a Muslim because she actually said I want to make Hajj with him and Ibn Taymiyyah was saying no because he doesn't want to make Hajj with you and then she tried to trip him up what did she say I will leave him in your honor and obviously that's unbelief so Ibn Taymiyyah goes no you leave with the obedience of Allah Ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa then she goes I will leave him and look what happened he's been well he's been stroked so hard on his neck they thought he was dead but as soon as the jinni left he sits up and he sees the crowd and he goes why and he thought Ibn Taymiyyah he goes why did I come to the sheikh and they all said what about all the striking <laughs> because you were almost dead he goes what striking because I didn't commit any sin So Ibn Taymiyyah was highlighting that the beating, the jinn feel the beating. It's not the man. And this is why it's important. Why? Because if you got ignorant people, they might intervene. Because you're killing him. We didn't bring you to kill him. And yet they don't realize that you're harming the jinn. So why is that fascinating? Because when the jinn possess, the reason they possess is they want to experience things. They actually experience what the human experiences. For instance, there's another report about one of the old jinn. He was over 300 years old. He possessed a person. And when the exorcist asked him, why have you possessed this youngster? He said, I want to stretch my leg. <laughs> Look how strange. He's a jinn, he's old. And obviously, he's getting on a bit, to put it bluntly. And then he goes, I just want to straighten, straighten my leg. I've entered the human to get this ability. Board, flip the coin. Now he's going to feel the pain. <laughs> You understand? So when Hafiz Ibn Taymiyyah was striking, he knew he wasn't striking the person. It was the jinn that feeling the effect. And he, he, you know, she took notice. She goes, I will leave. So note what verses what was Ibn Taymiyyah deciding? Going <laughs> back to the hadith. You know, people quit. Why is he deciding those verses? Because the hadith says, with those with iman, because he will move a mountain. Not only are these holy verses used by the exorcists and those obviously for people who are ailing, they also make one's daily tasks easier. In Abu Nu'im, Ibn Mandah, Ibn Yassini, Al-Isaba, Qanzul Umal, Volume 2, page 327, Imam Sayyuti, Rahmatullah, Alayhi, says, Hassan in Fat'ul Qadir, 3-502, Ayat al-Sahaba, Volume 5, page 667, of the New English Translation. Hazrat Ibrahim Al-Taymi, Radiyallahu, he said, Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He once sent us on an expedition and he ordered us to recite these verses in the evening and in the morning. Thus we recited it in the evening and in the morning. And subhanallah, we were able to easily take spoils and also remain safe. Subhanallah. So now what do we learn from this authentic report? So the companions were going on an expedition, uh, a campaign. And what did the Prophet 
instruct them to recite these last verses. Ayah of Surah Mu'minu, Surah 23, verse 115, to the end of the sacred surah. And he told them, recite it in the evening and in the morning. So this is the, it's like a daily zikr. You say it in the morning and you say it in the evening. So what did this companion say? We recited it. And subhanallah, we were able to easily take spoils, meaning we engaged with the enemy, or maybe they didn't. But the spoils were there to be taken, and we were completely safe. So the scholars extract from this report that these last uh, sacred verses of Surah Mu'minun also make your daily tasks easier. So note, this, is, this should be part of your regular zikr, these last uh, blessed verses of Surah Mu'minun. So again, note, essential verses in the believer's arsenal. So moving on, going back to the great life of Ibn Mas'ud. So the next section entitled, His Participation on the Various Battlefields. It was upon our beloved Messenger's migration to Al-Madina that finally matters ended up on the battlefield against the noble believers and polytheists. The first and most famous of these clashes was upon the blessed earth of Badr. Our beloved Messenger, even before the encounter, he had famously supplicated most earnestly for the divine help, so much that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud had said, neither I or the other companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, had ever seen Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more close to our Lord than on that day. SubhanAllah. Neither I or the other companions had seen Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more close to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala than on that day. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir, number 10,270 or 10-147, Nehaki in his Dila in Nubu'a 3-32. So look how you know, interesting the clarification. Rasulullah was always the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He, he was the chosen one. That Allah what Ibn Masood said, that was the closest we experienced he was to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did he mean by that? What he meant was he was imploring, beseeching the Almighty and Glorious for help. And Ibn Masood said, we, because we, it's hard to describe because he was the closest he was ever to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The incident which this majestic man was referring to was the following. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu he said, On the day of the battle of Badr, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looked at his companions radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who numbered just over 300. He then looked at the unbelievers who numbered just over a thousand. Wearing only an upper and lower garment, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa thereupon supplicated, O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fulfill your promise to me. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if this group of Muslims are destroyed, you will then never again be worshipped on the earth. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continued thereupon seeking the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and supplicating to him until his upper garment fell off. So stop in the report. So Umar is describing the scene, 
and Rasulullah sees the situation. 300 of his companions are now not even ready for battle. They didn't come for the full-scale battle. Their initial objective was a caravan. So they were ill-prepared. He, he scanned the unbelievers and there were about a thousand. So the odds were three, over three to one in favor of the unbelievers, leaving aside the military equipment they had brought because they had come for battle. The Prophet had two garments on and he only asked for two things, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. O Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, fulfill your promise to me. I'm going to explain what that promise was. If this group of Muslims are destroyed, you will never again be worshipped on the earth, meaning this is a critical moment. And he was making dua so beseechingly, his upper garment came off. Abu Bakr, not being able to control himself on seeing the condition of his beloved, he thereupon came to put the garment, upper garment on again. And then he embraced Rasulullah from behind and he said, Ya Rasulullah, what you have so persistently asked from your Lord is already sufficient. He will certainly fulfill the promise he has made to you. So stop in the report. So he was pleading so much. It was such a you know awesome scene. Abu Bakr couldn't help I to comfort the Prophet. He put the garment on him and then he hooked him. And he, as we'd say in today's day and age, you don't need to ask, you've asked enough. It was then that Allah the Almighty and Glorious revealed in Surah Al-Anfal, Surah 8, verse 9, of the Bilaim Nishitan Rajim. When you beseeched help from your Lord and He accepted your supplication, saying, I shall strengthen you with a thousand angels who will appear one after another, i.e., to assist. So, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He fulfilled the dua. He goes, I am sending a thousand angels. So, where is this recorded? This is recorded in Sayyid Muslim, number 4360, in the chapter on Asir, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, Sahih, Ahmad in his Musnad, Behaki, Ibn Hiban, Sahih, Abu Ashaykh, Abu Awana, Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jalil, Ibn Mardawai, Ibn Al-Munvir in their respective tafsirs, Kanzul Omal, volume 5, page 266, Al-Bidayah, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 180 of the New English Translation. So, after making that heartfelt supplication, after Abu Bakr embraced the Prophet Allah the Almighty then revealed that his help is coming. So this was what Abu Ibn Masood was referring to. Because neither I or the other companions had seen Rasulullah more close to our Lord than on that day. Meaning he was beseeching that we've never seen before. In another flawless but slightly different report, Abdullah ibn Abbas he said, Abu Bakr then took him by his hand and said, Hasbuka ya Rasulullah, ala rabbik. What you have supplicated for is enough, ya Rasulullah. 
you have importuned, you have requested too much from your Lord. Thereupon Rasulullah went out hurrying in a court of mail and he was reciting Surah Al-Qamr, Surah 54, verse 45. Soon the company will be routed and will turn and flee. So here in Sayyid Bukhari, Rasulullah Abu Bakr said, Ya Rasulullah, enough, because you've asked enough. And then look how interesting, Rasulullah, he's got his armor on and he's reciting another verse of the Quran. And this verse was revealed seven or eight years earlier. Soon the company will be routed and will turn and flee. So where is this recorded? In Sayyid Bukhari, number 2915, Ahmad in his Muslim, number 3042, Mishkar in the chapter on the prophetic miracles. So now, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was actually explaining a verse which was revealed seven or eight years earlier. How is that verse he recited relevant to Badr? There's another hadith. In Tabarani, Al-Bidayah, Ad-Dur Al-Mantur, 6-137, Ibn Abi Hatim, Ibn Jarir, and Ibn Kathir, 7-457, in their respective tafsirs. Sheikh Sa'ati, Rahmatullah, in Al-Fattur Rabbani, 21-390, stated Sahih. Iqrima, Rahmatullah, he said, Sayyidina Umar, who used to say, when this verse of Surah Al-Qamr was revealed, Surah 54, verse 45, Soon the company will be routed and will turn and flee. I wondered what company it was that would be routed. So, seven, eight years before Badr, this is probably during the, during the boycott years. Umar radiallahu was thinking, what does this verse mean? Who is Allah Ta'ala referring to when he goes, this jam'ah, this company will be, they'll be routed, they will flee. Because what is this being referring to? However, when in the battle of Badr, the unbelieving Quraysh were routed and they were fleeing from the battlefield, I saw Rasulullah in his armor rushing forward, reciting this verse. Then and only then did I realize that this was the defeat that had been foretold I all those years earlier in Makkah when the believers were being persecuted. Subhanallah. So subhanallah, what a prophecy. Now think about this. You've got to go back. So let's put a few details. This sacred verse was revealed around the seventh year of the prophethood i.e. when the believers were thereafter shortly boycotted and forced to live in the valley of Abu Talib for three long, grueling years, going through immense hardships in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with apparently no end in sight. And this holy verse was revealed. Hence, Umar's obvious response, which force will be defeated? Which one will overcome? Subhanallah, it was only on the day of Badr that Umar radiallahu finally understood who was being referred to. So now the bigger picture, the lesson. Believers should thus never despair of their weak and decrepit position. For ultimately, our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised his honor and victory 
just as long as we are steadfast upon the glorious path. Subhanallah. So play the, you know, like the tape back. You go back to the incident, they were forced to go into the boycott. So who apparently had the upper hand? The unbelievers. Even food was not reaching them. So they've lost, well basically they, they can't even go to their own dwellings. The people are interacting with them. They're now in a state of, you know, despair, to, for want of a better word. Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse. So, so be honest. Soon the company will be routed, will turn and flee. Imagine you're there. Which company is going to turn and flee? What is Allah Ta'ala referring to? Seven, eight years later, Rasulullah, he makes that dua, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala revealed the verse in Surah Anfal saying, I've sent for you a thousand angels. He's put his armor on and as he's leaving, he's reciting that same verse. Soon the company will be routed and they will turn and flee. It was a miracle. Allah Ta'ala was basically telling them during the time of hardship that they were going to go through, don't worry. Ultimately, they're going to be routed, these people who are causing this to you. So, again, notice Muslims, very impatient. Even now, they start saying, when is the help of Allah Ta'ala going to come? But it's a condition. The condition is, you must be steadfast upon the path. And this is where the problem lies. Are we steadfast? So, note again, Allah Ta'ala is highlighting things in the seerah, which emanate throughout time. And of course, we can take, you know, huge lessons from this. SubhanAllah. So all I mentioned today was basically wrapping up with regards to the sacred verses in Surah Al-Mu'minun, Surah 23, verse 115 to the end, where Ibn Taymiyyah recited this, and Alhamdulillah, the jinni left and the person was cured. And then I mentioned that these verses should actually be recited by every Muslim morning and evening for it makes your daily tasks easier. And then now we're discussing where the great name of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu is mentioned on the various battlefields. And of course, he was there in the most famous of the clashes at Badr. And he beautifully highlighted how intimate the Prophet was when he was making that heartfelt supplication to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then of course, the verse which was troubling Umar in terms of clarity became clear on the day of Badr. Subhanallah. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi ismanaka Allahumma bihamdika ashru la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka atubulayka wa dhibillahi min ashadhan shi'ib subhanahu wa barakatuh bil izzati wa al-maysifun as-salamu alayhi wa mursaleem wa alhamdulillahi 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 wa alhamdulillahi